This is episode 88 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks so much for joining me. This is a jam between Angela and I, so Angela's on the other end of the mic. Go. Hi, it's great to be here today. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. If you're struggling to keep up with processing your email, SaneBox might be just the tool you need. It has saved me hours of time each month, and the amount of peace of mind I get from it is priceless. SaneBox sorts through your email and moves all of the trivial stuff into a different folder, so the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. Aside from removing all of the junk so you can focus on the messages that matter, there's this great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from the sender again. One and done. Just how we like it. Because email can be such a bear and keep you from finishing the stuff that matters, we worked out a great deal for our listeners. Visit sanebox.com forward slash giant and they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top of the two-week free trial. You don't have to enter the credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's really nothing to lose. Again, that's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com forward slash giant. Alrighty, it's been a while since we've had a podcast. It's been since March. Mm-hmm, maybe, it has been a while. What's been going on? Uh, Lots and lots of things have been going on. <laughs> Yeah, lots and lots of things. Yeah. Um, Lots of great growth in the business. I've been super busy behind the scenes working on a lot of things here at PF, Um, working on training a lot of our new team members and um, enjoying spring. Enjoying spring. Ooh, and big big hurrah for me today. I just finished the yoga challenge. Um, Those of you who don't know it, I'm super big into yoga. I love it. And the studio that I go to here in Portland, shout out to Yoga Union. Yoga Union is the bomb. Um, They do a challenge every April where uh, students try to get 20 classes in 30 days. And I actually reached that goal today for the first time um, in several years. So I'm super excited about that, even though I was actually out with the flu for over a week and out of town for three days this month, I still made it happen. So feeling good about that. Feeling really good about that. Um, So on today's show, what we're going to be talking about is um, biorhythms and schedules and things like that. What I do want to say, though, is another thing that's been different is we've had two podcasts a week going. Mm, Yep. Right. And um, so you think we, like Angela and I would do more podcasts, but it's been crazy scheduling. We, by the time you hear this, we may have, in fact, backed back down to one podcast episode a week because... Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot more work to do two than it is just to do one. And, um, we're just looking at what's sustainable long-term for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty. So biorhythms, what's been going on? And we've been talking a lot about this actually through the newsletter or through the pulse and just context on the blog, or, um, content on the blog is this idea that one, as people, we are as humans, as, as animals, we are, really sensitive and and guided by a lot of biorhythms. And by biorhythms, I mean circadian rhythms throughout the day, right? And so certain people are morning birds. 
or early birds. Other people are sort of afternoon. What are afternoon people called? Mm, awesome, because that's what I am. <laughs> so there are afternoon awesomes, and then there are night owls, right? Yeah, and, I don't know um, what they are. <laughs> yeah, I don't, we, we need a word for them. So yeah. somebody, someone send me an email about what they're called besides afternoon awesomes. It needs to be some type of like aviary reference, though, because we got night owls and we got you know, morning. What are morning people? I don't even know because I don't. Early birds. Early birds. Okay. I, I, I'm i not one. So yeah. therefore. And we've actually talked about that in, in yes. a prior episode about <laughs> how one of the challenges between us and, and doing our work together and actually finding time together is that um, I am about three hours forward shifted from Angela's, right? Mm-hmm. So I get up earlier, which, you know, is not a challenge until we get to the end of the day, because that same three hours of being forward shifted, like it's around 738 and I'm, you know, I'm wrapping up and Angela's like, Ooh, like let's hang out. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's a challenge. Um, Knowing one's own biorhythms bio is challenging, like lining up two different peoples cause is, is a challenge as well, right? It is, yes. So um, so there's been a lot of talk in the air, and it's also spring, right? Um, so um, around the time the spring changes, like I noticed in a lot of people, a shift in energy, just a shift in their um, creative energy, a shift in their emotional energy. Um, there tends to be a lot more hope. There tends to be a lot more like wanting to grow, Mm -hmm. um, that's going on with the shift in the season. And I don't know how many people actually like sit and pay attention to those changing biorhythms. I mean, we see it in, in the spring. We definitely see it in the summer. Yeah. Around, um, late June. So the solstice is, like June 20th 20 or so something is that it's in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ever noticed that around there is where things really start to slow down for people. When you start thinking about vacation. So, so much of our life is guided on these things. And we could do the same for fall and for, for, um, winter. So we had the spring biorhythm change, um, mm-hmm. that happened. Right. Um, and then, you know, daylight saving time, which is always a pain in the butt. Yeah. What's been new for me over the last couple of weeks is that I guess it's been three weeks since it's been in the work of changing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that I've shifted from my native um, sort of biorhythm, my native daily flow of creating in the morning and meeting in the afternoon. And I flipped that from, to meeting in the morning and creating in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And there are all sorts of unintended consequences from that happening. Um, long time readers and listeners know that I've talked a lot about heat mapping your day and sort of when you're creatively hot and when you're not. And so the, the whole basic idea there, if you haven't seen that, if you haven't read that post, we'll link to it in the show notes or you haven't heard me talk about it is that there are certain periods of the day where you are, um, you have high creative or emotional energy. And I use those interchangeably because sometimes they, they are interchangeable. But, um, so for instance, um, we mentioned me being a, an early bird, my best creative time happens from like six until around 1130. Mm-hmm. If I've had a good full six to 1130, I'm more or less done for the afternoon. There's that dead period of like one to three. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, there are different things that I could do sometimes. Like if I start, if I take a nap and work out, then I can start working in the evening, which is one of those things we'll come back to. Yeah. But that's basically the idea. There are some blocks or there's some some periods of your time where you're hot, other times where you're not. Angela, when are yours? So my times, um, they've shifted a little bit as I've gotten a little bit older. If you would have talked to me 
10 years ago, I would say don't talk to me ever before 11 a.m. I still think that's good counsel. Eh, eh, it it depends depends on how much sleep I've gotten. But generally right now, my peak creative time is about from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Is about my peak time now. So, um, and that has shifted for me, and I'm still doing a lot to ingrain that um, because that shift is relatively new. Um, and planning my days and my creative blocks around that um, has has been difficult at times. Yeah. Now, where I wanted to go with this real quick is that. Um, Actually, this sort of industrial biorhythm schedule that a lot of us are on are, is actually not natural in some ways. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of literature that shows that humans, um, we evolved and we sort of created societies such that we would do things like work intensely in the morning. Um, around the time it started to get hot, we would go inside or um, we would find refuge in whatever we could and not work because it's super hot. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening is when we would do more things, right? Um, there's, oh, I can't remember the name of the book, but I was reading a book where it was talking about how um, what people would do is they would work, um, you know, part, parts of the day. Um, they would take off in the evening from like three to maybe eight um, and they would sleep from like eight when this is before electric lighting, actually, mm-hmm. right? They would sleep from like, you know, eight until two o'clock in the morning and then get up and do a little bit more hmm. and then go back to sleep. Hmm. Right. And then do it again. So um, don't, don't quote me on those times. It's been a while since I've read that book. But again, the idea has been that we haven't had this sort of, you wake up at eight or seven or six or whatever time you wake up, you work all day, you go home, you do a little personal stuff and then you go to sleep and you sleep in this huge block of time and mm-hmm. then you get up and do it over again. It's actually a relatively modern way of being in the world. So, yeah, it is. Um, and if you have kids, you know that that model does not work right mm-hmm. very well at all, especially young ones. Um, so um, the reason I want to pull this up is because sometimes when we're talking about what our circadian rhythms are and what our biorhythms are, we project some sort of ideal of like, if I were just X, I would be able to get up early and then I would work and I would do this thing and it, my hours would flow a certain way and then I'd go to bed. But that's really not how we show up in the world. No, it's definitely not how we show up. I'm curious, though, because you mentioned... um you know, the big reason why we're having this specific conversation today is that we've been all about the biorhythm discussion lately. And a lot of it's been because of this schedule shift and schedule change that you've been going through the last three to four weeks. Um, and I'm curious, you know, this is, I'll just put it out there. If you already knew what your creative peak times were, why did you change it? Okay, that's a great question. So throughout the years, I, I wrote the heat mapping post way back in like 2008. Mm-hmm. And so occasionally someone will ask me, so is it possible to change your rhythms? And I'm like, well, to a limited degree, but it's really, really hard to do so, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um, 
so, you know, I've kind of known that it's possible to change those, just that it's hard work to do it, right? And there's also been, like Angela, you know this in the past, where I've tried some polyphasic um, yeah. days. Polyphasic day is basically where you'll sleep for a really, really short period for like an hour. And then you'll work for three or four hours, and then you'll sleep for an hour, and then you'll work for three or four hours, so on and so forth. So that's polyphasic, whereas biphasic would be where you sleep three or four hours at a time, and then you get up and you work for mm-hmm. um, six, you know, seven hours, and you sleep, you know, three or four hours. And you, so you, you're, you basically split your day in half, right? And so mm-hmm. I've tried polyphasic in the past, and it was um, really, really challenging because Charlie likes his sleep. He yeah. really does, right? Um, and, you know, what, what slid into this one is that I realized that I ended up on a biphasic schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Angela knows this because she lives with me. It's somewhere between, you know, like three, thir- somewhere between three and seven, I was going to take a nap. Right. I was going to take a nap and be out for two or three hours and then I'd get up mm-hmm. and then I'd start working again until like two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then I'd sleep. And then apparently it was time to get up again at 630 or seven. Yeah. Right. So it was a biphasic day. But the reason is because I was doing a schedule audit and mm-hmm. saying, okay, what's going on? How do I make the biggest, um, chunks of my how do i free up the most of my day to work on our creative projects right and because of a lot of the work that i've been doing with clients and with this podcast and with live your legend and just all sorts of other things like i had a lot of meetings in my day that i didn't want the first sort of the first thing to be is like okay i'm just going to like bail on meetings right or i'm going to get out of everything because i'm doing some really great stuff right now mm-hmm. i didn't want to let that go but a real audit showed that over the course of the day, I had maybe two and a half hours of creative energy or creative time to work on stuff. Mm -hmm. And that time actually went between writing and um, collaborating with teammates. And two and a half hours is just really not enough for what we need. This is not a side hustle. This is not a, right, you know, this is what it is. Content and creativity is, is so much of what powers our business, right? Yeah. And so the the query was, okay, how could I free up the most time? And it turned out that if I flipped my schedule, then I could work in the afternoon and mm-hmm. not have the time pressure of starting a meeting at 11 and going from there. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, they used to say this in the military, what is it? The difference between theory and practice is that in theory, there's no difference between theory and practice. <laughs> Right. Um, And so the theory was that um, this frees up more time. And so it started as an experiment. And Angela, you know about me in experiments. Sometimes I'm like, I think this is the way it's going to go. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to do the damnedest I can to check it. Yeah. Right. To, To check those assumptions. And so I was open to the fact that I may be able to change some of those hours around. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I was open to the fact that, you know, maybe we can flip this thing and make it work or what might happen. What would I need to do to change my schedule so that I could be creative in the afternoon? Mm-hmm. Um, and the weird thing is I was actually able to do it. Yeah. But not in the way I thought I was going to be able to do it. Hmm. Right. And yeah. so I thought that, okay, Here's the deal. I'll do that. I'll do my meetings in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I will um, work on stuff until, you know, 530 or 6, and then I'll be done. It seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, is because of either other meetings or, more importantly, 
what would happen is I would already be emotionally taxed by the end of those of my my meetings because of the way that I do my work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that um, come one o'clock or so, I I would be mo like bitching and complaining, right, about what I haven't gotten done. So, and that's the weird thing, mm-hmm. is because I've been doing the meetings, right, and I love working with my clients. I love the work that I do, and they're productive, value creating meetings. Mm-hmm. But emotionally, they didn't register as part of the stuff that I wanted to do that day. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I've always said um, about creating in the morning, especially for me, this is not true for everyone, is that by the time I've done my work. Mm-hmm. So when we look at my, a typical day of Charlie, right, is I get up and that first block of the day is really just me meditating, drinking tea, like really get it grounding and waking up. Don't plan on anything. Um, and that can be, you know, 45 to 90 minutes, depending upon what I need for that day. Mm hmm. Um, so the first part of the day is a lot of it, a lot of intentional not doing, right? Yeah. Um, now, working out maybe creeping into my intentional not doing time, but that's maybe a conversation for another day. Um, but then after that is you know typically having a couple of blocks for getting stuff done creatively, like writing blog posts and writing you know pieces of the book or writing pieces of you know this other thing is it's actually feeling really solid with my creative energy Mm -hmm. and then going into like the rest of the day because if i've taken care of myself and i've taken care of the creative work that i need to do i could be 100 percent present throughout the rest of the day yeah right i don't need to be anywhere else i don't i'm not thinking about on a call like oh crap i gotta do this thing at the end of the day so and so forth Mm mm-hmm and so um, when I went into this particular experiment, the schedule flip, part of what Angela and I discussed is like, so Charlie, you've been doing this for nearly a decade this mm-hmm. way. And she knows, I know that the end of meetings for me a lot of times means end of day. Yeah. Right. So there's an emotional switch that happens. So um, the at least idea or you know the the drag point is what we call it right the drag point to to flipping the schedule was when i'm done with the meetings am i going to be emotionally checked out for the day right and i don't know that that's the way it was as much as when i'm done with the meetings i feel like i haven't done what i needed to do for the day Mm -hmm. and that causes the sort of complaining and screen sucking looking at the screen and not Mm -hmm. getting anything done until I figure out that, wait a second, I, I need to quit, go take a nap, go work out, um, go chase Angela around the house if she's available, <laughs> right? And recharge and then come back to this later. Yeah. Sounds like great idea, right? So I would do that. And the challenge is I would start, again, I mentioned the biphasic thing earlier. I would start a whole second day. Mm-hmm. Where it wasn't just like I can be like, okay, I'm going to work from four to seven. Yeah. Apparently, that's not the way Charlie rolls. It's like four to two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, But it's not that I'm working until two. It's like I'm working until 12, but then I need a block at the end of the day to sort of down cycle. Mm -hmm. And that's where that two hours comes in. And then I'm I'm coming into bed. Yeah. So it didn't go the way that I actually thought it was going to go. Right. I mean, it went not a completely different direction, but I hadn't really accounted on the um the recovery block at the end of the day it's it's obvious in retrospect because i work with so many other people on exactly those things Mm -hmm. but i figured like what i would do is like i would work till about six and be done 
and then I would be done done and then have the recovery time to, um, you know, hang out with you and, you know, do what I needed to do at the end of the day and then yeah. go to bed. Not what happened. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not what happened and it's also, you know, a piece of this is coming up for me is just, you know, we have these natural biorhythms um, and we have the way modernity and technology has changed that in a big way for us. And so, you know, part of what you were running into is the screen sucking, right? Like you're tapped out. You, you're not able to do high-functioning work at a point. And rather than checking out and going and taking a nap, there was what you call screen sucking, you know, and other people, it might be watching cat videos, hanging out on Facebook or YouTube, um, watching reruns of shows, whatever it might be. Um, so I think that's one of the things, at least for me, um, and a lot of people I talk to, uh, when they're trying to make these habit changes or, or changes in schedules are to think about those things that are in there that are taking up a good portion of your time, but that aren't nourishing you. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you should leave all social media and technology behind. That's not what I'm saying, but it's that constant checking in about, is this nourishing me? And is this what I want and need right now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's to, to go back to the literature on this, there's, um, Covey's time management matrix, right? When mm-hmm. you have quadrant one, which is the um, important and urgent stuff, you have quadrant two, which is the important but not urgent stuff, mm-hmm. right? You have the quadrant three, which is not important, not urgent. Yeah. And then you have quadrant four, which is not urgent, not important, right? And what so many of the screen sucking activities are actually in that quadrant four, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, here's where I'll pause and... and and so we, we, you're going to have to pull me off the social media rant on this one, right? Um, okay, ready? Let's do this. Okay. The thing about it is, is so much of what happens through a lot of the social channels that we have and a lot of the media channels that we have is there's this manufactured urgency. Yeah. Right? That it's really not important. And we know at a level that it's not important. Mm-hmm. But all the dings and blips and notifications gives it a manufactured urgency that we pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you're in an online business or when you're a digital creative or when you're just really a lot of your work depends upon what's happening in the virtual social sphere, like there's also this way in which it's easy to tell yourself that it's important to be there, right? It's important Mm -hmm. to see what's going on. So you've got this sense of manufactured importance and manufactured urgency at the same time. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the whole way, and and we've been doing this since Covey talked about it actually before, but you know, he gave a great model for it. It's like one of the best ways to get your time and your life back is to just eliminate quadrant four activities. Yeah, absolutely. Eliminate them, right? Um, and eliminate and or minimize them to the degree. Now, here's what I would want to say. If it actually truly nourishes you, Mm -hmm. it's important Right. So if, you know, um, if the whole thing with scandal and watching scandal every week really, truly nourishes you (laughs) because it provides delight and entertainment for you, 
then watch you some scandal, right? <laughs> I'm not saying cut it out, but it's like all the shows that aren't that for you, all the things that aren't that for you that you cut out, right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes people confuse that when we talk about that 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 model because they're like leisure, like, but I I need to like veg out in front of the team. It's help in front of the TV. It's helpful, and I'm like. Okay, well, you just qualified that that's nourishing for you. Mm -hmm. So that goes into that important category. Yeah. Right? And if it goes into the important category, then we start talking about, um, for lack of better words, balancing, or we start talking about alignment or allocation, right? Mm -hmm. Which is different than just, I'm doing this thing. And so... All of that is a short, a shorter rant than I than I thought I was going to get on about mm. social media. But that's that's so much about what's terrible about screen sucking is you're already tired. Yeah, you're sitting there, and and I actually I need to go back and figure out where I read screen sucking. I didn't come up with it, right? Okay. Um, but it's it's literally you're sitting there, and it's just like you're sucking in the screen with your eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. Not really getting anything done. And at that point, at that moment, that's the moment that you most need to step away. Because your decision-making faculties are down, your willpower is down, all those things are down. Mm-hmm. But that I think it, that's what causes us to sit there in front of that screen is because we're not actively thinking, is this really the best thing I could be doing right now? Mm-hmm. Might there be other things I can do? Like you're just like, oh, new click. <laughs> and you get on the loop, you know, yeah. the loop from Facebook to Twitter to email to Slack Mm-hmm. Or whatever your team management thing is, to email, to Slack, to Facebook, to you stay stuck there. Yeah. So um, the reason I want to throw that in there is because, like, I've tried to. Well, actually, I have in most of my life when I'm on my normal schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, I know when I'm screen sucking. Yeah. And like after about five minutes of it, I'm like, oh, hold on, done. Have I done anything? Mm-hmm. That's nourishing or productive, yeah, or both at the same time. And if it's a no, it's like whatever I'm doing is not ner- not working for me, mm-hmm. so I quit. In the newer schedule, like one of the things that's changed is um, because my sleep has been thrown off. And again, I've already mentioned that Charlie likes to sleep. Yeah, right. Um, my um, metacognitive faculties are lower. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's harder to recognize those types of things. And so, you know, we were sitting down last night talking about whether I was going to keep doing the doing the experiment or or killing it. Mm -hmm. And we had to come up with a list of non-negotiables of things that just were not okay, Right. Um, And one of those non-negotiables has been like small things like small to me, but but an important part of our conversation because they they um, they trigger Angela is like leaving doors unlocked and leaving a garage door open Mm -hmm. when they don't need to be. Right. Um, forgetting to give cat, forgetting or giving a cat meds and not remembering that I gave her the meds. <laughs> yeah. Or giving her the meds and, or, or the reverse, like not knowing. So that was a non negotiable for me, but also missing meetings. Yeah. Right. Um, Angela knows, everyone knows, if you know me, I hate missing meetings. And um, I completely spaced one um, Monday night and I was like, okay. That that's one of those things that's not negotiable for me. I just I just don't do that. Yeah. Right. It's um, but that's another matter. Yeah. Um, and so that's those are some of the major changes. Is that you know shorter memory, um, or not shorter memory, just in unreliable memory. Mm-hmm. Um, forgetting small things. Yeah. Things like that, and also when I'm tired, less reserves to make decisions that are 
benefiting me. Yeah. And the trick is, and and this is where I want to talk to the team about this a lot, is if you look at it from a output point of view, I've gotten a lot more done over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but it's not sustainable. But it's not sustainable. Yeah. And so, you know, when we went into this, I was originally, I knew I was not going to like it. <laughs> no, but see, that's the thing. I knew I wasn't going to like it because, again, I've tried ch- schedule changes before. Mm-hmm. And um, it's change shock, really. Like, you change something really big and you don't like the new thing. Yeah. Right? And with everything else going on, um, my schedule has been the anchor in mm-hmm. my day. I know when I'm getting up. I know when I'm going to bed. I know when I'm going to be hungry. There's just so much that's baked into my body. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds weird, but there's so many decisions that are baked into my body mm-hmm. that I didn't have to worry about it. I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. And that provided a lot of security for me. You throw all of that up in the air, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, it's 1030 in the morning. Am I going to take a nap? And I'm like, what? Take a nap at 1030 in the morning? Who does that? Right? No one does that. Um so on and so forth, right? Um, and so I knew going into it that there was going to be a chain shock, and I knew to discount how much I hated the chain shock, the, the, the first parts of it, right? Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm just not going to like it. Yeah. And I know I'm not going to like it. It's like working out, you know? <laughs> Actually, I love working out. I hate that period, bef- like, that period between when you know you need to work out and when you actually decide to get off your butt and do it. <laughs> yeah. That period, I hate. Everything that follows, I like. Yeah. Um, so that's where I was like, okay, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to go through it and see what happens. Um, see how it goes and go from there. Um, the thing, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, so there's the change shock that happens whenever you change something that's just been so ingrained for so long for you. It's the schedule. And for people who don't know you, like, Charlie is a schedule person. Like, he functions very well on a schedule. Um, it's kind of like the toddler. Like, toddlers are very good on schedules. Keep them on schedules. Um, Did you just call me a toddler? No. Yes, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Keep but, on. like, I know, right? It, it sounds bad, but the truth of the matter is, is most of us, even as adults, realize that there are schedules that work very well for us and that nourish us and are good anchors. So digging myself out of that hole just a little bit. The question I have for you is how did you know or at what point did you know that it wasn't just you hating it or not being able to get used to it or just the shock of the change versus... This is not sustainable. This is not going to work in the long term. Yeah. Um, I don't. Here's where I am with this experiment right now. Um, I do believe that if I kept doing, if I kept at it and kept tweaking and kept like figuring out the bugs and working at it and working at it, that I, I would eventually figure a more sane way of doing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but by my estimates, that's going to take about 12 to 18 months. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Just because I know, I mean, I know what that's like when it's a, so this is not, here's what's important about this. 
this is not just a reallocation of blocks throughout the day, which a lot of people can do, right? So if you've got, for instance, um, what happens so oftentimes with, with sort of when we talk about creative blocks and heat mapping and things like that is that people are putting, say, doctor's appointments and errands in their creative blocks. I'm the worst at doing that. You're totally the worst, and I can't do anything about it. Hey, I, I'm i getting better, you though. You getting better. I actually am getting better. Um, Still not great, though. So... It's different from switching the activities that you're doing in those blocks and aligning those blocks as opposed to changing where in the day those blocks happen, right? Yeah. So typically what I look at when I'm working with clients on this, typically when we get block alignment and we start using the block planning method, you know, that takes three to five weeks to get those new habits created, to get them used to that, to, you know, make different changes happen, especially if they have young ones. Right, and yeah. they have to rearrange childcare, and then they have to redo commitments. Like that takes a while, right? But changing the nature of those blocks is really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Really, really hard to do. And fundamentally, it's not like daylight saving time where it's just an hour. Yeah, this is a complete reversal. Yeah, right. And so I'm like, okay, how long is it going to take to refactor my life to get there? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I realized is that um, getting into a biphasic rhythm mm-hmm. means that I'm going to actually need, um, so let's look at this. I'm going to need in the morning a recovery block. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need the time that I'm doing creative blocks and service blocks. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to need a recovery block at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Flip it again. Um I'm going to mirror that schedule on the other side. So I actually end up needing far more recovery Mm. to run a biphasic schedule. Hmm. Right. And I'm losing, it's not that I'm losing sleep is that the quality of my sleep hasn't shifted yet. Right. Yeah. And so when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, I don't know. Like I would want to put an unsustainable, like question mark, like unsustainable. Right. (laughs) Um, Because I wouldn't say that as always and forever, you know, um, because people do like, let's get real. We're we're talking about changing our schedule around. There are people who work, you know, full time jobs and then part time jobs on top of it. And they shift, you know, when I grew up, mom, you know, she would alternate between the graveyard shift and Mm -hmm. second shift. Right. Yeah. And so I know that, you know, we can change our patterns. We can do that in time. For me, it was is the juice worth a squeeze. Yeah. You know, is going through that 12 to 18 months of getting that getting that dialed in better than an easier option, which, you know, we brainstormed last night. So, for instance, the change um, that, that we're going to go is, is not quite what I was doing, but it's like um, if I'm already a morning person, mm-hmm. rather than getting up at 630 naturally, what happens when I get up at 530? Yeah. Right. Um, that is one of those minor schedule shifts that can make a huge difference mm-hmm. because I'm going to gain. It's one of those things. What, what's the saying? Like an hour at night, two hours in the morning. Yeah. Right. Um, where if you go to bed an earlier or an hour earlier every night, you can get up two hours earlier in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right. So what that means is I'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier when it's really natural for me, but I'm also going to get up right about the time that it's really natural for me too. So again, it's not a complete reversal mm-hmm. like the, this, the shit, this switch was right. And so, um, I knew it was, it was time to switch back when I'm like, you know what, 
Um, I spend a lot of my day now mm-hmm. either tired or looking forward to that next nap. Yeah. Or screen sucking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm dropping balls. I'm dropping, like, I'm leaving doors open, mm-hmm. right? I'm... Me, I'm missing meetings. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting back to some emails that I need to. So there were there were enough drop balls and mm-hmm. enough um, points of qualitative, um, negative qualitative difference in my day that I'm like, you know, um, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it to me at this time. Yeah. So that's what I would want to say there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so though we've been talking about this in the frame of we've been we've been talking about my personal experiment and and what that means, I guess the point is to have you know you you listening to you know have you listen and thinking about what parts of your schedule are working for you and what mm-hmm. rhythms are working for you and what aren't. Yeah. What I do want to drop in here real quick, probably too late in the show to do this, but whatever. Right? Is um, a lot of women actually tell me that the idea of having like rhythms throughout the day is really foreign to them Hmm. Um, because it just seems so very varied to them. Um, And given my anatomy, it's hard for me to speak to, to that change. But what I've typically found in more conversations with them is that the commitments that they've made in their life and the way and the things that they, the way they've decided to do things mm-hmm. actually create a lot of chaos in their days. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now let me pause here. Um, children and tending children. It's a chaotic affair. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm also not going to go the line to say, if you're a woman, that means you're equal. You're tending children. Cause I know there are a lot of dads or a lot of people who don't, but what I want to say is tout the nature of taking care of children introduces a lot of chaos, a a lot of that in your day, right? And so I think they're confusing the chaos that's around them with the steady pulse of biorhythms that's within them. Mm -hmm. And those are two different things. Yeah. I think, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. Um, I might give a little pushback on that just from being on the other side of things. I mean, you know, there's... The fact is, is even though we've had great progress in society in a lot of different ways, um, women stepping up in different public arenas, um, we have still held on to and are still expected to take care of the care work, mm-hmm. whether or not you have children. There are aging parents, there mm-hmm. are aging in-laws, there are other aging relatives, you know, what, whatever it might be. Um, so I do think that that, I do think from a woman's perspective, I will say that it's really important for us to recognize that those expectations are there and to decide how we want to internalize though those. Um, There are commitments, there are things that we've agreed to um, that do require, I mean, if you have children, there are lots of requirements of you to take care of them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But you also have to take care of yourself and checking in with what are those, what are those things that I'm being told or I have been told and how am I internalizing those? 
And how am I making this work for me as well as for my family? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a great ad there. Um, And I'm glad we expanded it from children to caregiving. Yeah. um, Because just a lot of progress, but still women are the default caregivers Mm -hmm. in our society. And that creates a lot of reactive it does stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and my point is not that we shouldn't attend to those reactive things, but just to notice the difference between those external conditions mm-hmm. and your internal rhythms, your internal flow of the day, your internal energy, right? And do the best you can to align the two, right? Um, and so that's where I would want to end that one at. Okay. Alrighty. So a few takeaways for you. One. What's your schedule? Like, what's your natural biorhythm? What's your natural circadian rhythm? If you're an early riser, lean into that. Mm-hmm. If you're an afternoon awesome, lean into that too. Night owl, so you know, go forth. Quick shout out to Mike Vardy, who has the Night Owl Manifesto, and he's done a lot of great work on productivity for night owls. Mm. So, um, nice. obviously, you know that now I am not a night owl. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mike Vardy from the Productivityist, great guy, um, fun to jam with. So that, that was one. What's your, what's your schedule? Two, what can you do in your day throughout? How can you plan and negotiate your day so that you're really tapping into the energy when it's best for you mm-hmm. um, and not doing things at the wrong time? Three, um, what are the signals that you use to, um, to gauge whether you're energetically on point. For instance, I know when I start doing a bunch of screen sucking that I'm now out of creative flow. I'm now out of things, right? And so I mm-hmm. need to do something different. What are your triggers mm-hmm. that let you know that you're energetically out of sync? And I'd say the fourth one is what permission will you give yourself to explore um, creating a, a schedule that's more nourishing for you. Maybe that means taking a, t- a nap at 10.30, though I said you know earlier, like, who does that? But maybe that means, you know, um, negotiating with your partner to do some caregiving between 4 to 6 so that you can take a nap mm-hmm. or go work out. Like, what, um, what permission can you give yourself to explore that possibility that there's a way to align the time and energy that you have to do the things that matter most to you? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, I think I would just like to, you know, just to put out there, and this is me, um, this is a gentle reminder to myself that I will share out loud, um, is to practice compassion with yourself while you're going through these changes, or if you're even just assessing the smallest thing in your schedule, you're thinking about making a 30-minute shift or finding a way to put in a 15 minute walk, whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever it looks like for you, whatever this episode prompts you to think about for what's working for you and what's not in your schedule um, is to take it slow, take care of yourself and to practice um, deep, deep compassion for yourself um, and know that you can make the changes that you want to make. Absolutely. All righty, Creative Giants. It's been real. It's been fun. And I hope it's been real fun. <laughs> and until next time, stand tall. Oh, and we got to do the high oh, five. High five. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. 
To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.